Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. This is your host, Jack Young, and today we have uh, Brother Tim Stalkup in the studio. He is in for our missions conference, and so it's always an honor to have uh, missionaries. And he is a missionary to New York City and to the Muslims in New York City, and so we'll be uh, talking about uh, his calling, but also we'll have, I'm going to ask him about how you can witness to your Muslim friends and Muslim neighbors, and um, we'll talk about the field of Islam, the gospel field. Thanks for being on, Brother Tim. Well, thank you. No, the honor is mine. It's a privilege for me to get to be with you. Uh, This is uh, a a new experience for me. I've never been on a podcast before, so this is is a new venture, a new adventure for me. Amen. First time for everything, huh? That's right. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, we're going to... A techie age, That's and right, uh, yeah. you know, I we were talking before the the show is that I always listen to podcast, and I always wanted to start one. And COVID was the perfect opportunity, and the setup wasn't too technical. Even a knucklehead like uh, myself could figure it out. And, and then, uh, you know, in a church setting, as a pastor, you have the privilege to come into contact with folks like yourself. I've got sure. interesting stories, and a lot of times, it's uh, you almost feel guilty because you're the one who's taking these people to, out to eat or whatever, and you're hearing these amazing stories about how God's working in their life and different things going on. Uh, and I always thought, man, it'd be great to have this recorded and make it available uh, for other people. So the podcast gives an opportunity for that. And so uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Brother Tim. Absolutely. Well, my name is Tim Stalkup. I, I am grateful for my wife, Kristen, and two children. Anna Faith is six years old, and Timmy is four years old, and I praise the Lord for my family and for their excitement about what God has called us to, and we are living in New York City in the borough of Queens, uh, in more specifically in the neighborhood of Jamaica, and more mm-hmm. specifically in the community Jamaica, of, Queens. of Briarwood mm-hmm. in Jamaica in Queens in New York City. How long have you lived in the city? We have been there since uh, May. We moved in. And we are excited about being there because, and, and folks often ask, uh, what's brought you to New York City? In fact, sometimes mm-hmm. when uh, I get in a hurry and I'm, I'm talking fast or something and, and I revert back to a, a little <laughs> bit of North Carolinian influence in my speech. Uh-huh. And, and some, so sometimes people ask, where are you from? You don't sound like you're from around here. And I say, I'm from, I'm from North Carolina. And, and so uh, what, what is it that brought you up here this way? Well, there are millions of people here in New York City, and many of them have never heard a clear presentation of what Jesus Christ has done for us, uh-huh. and that he offers eternal life to all who will trust him. And yeah. so that's that's taken us there. But particularly, uh, we've moved there as a result of, of the opportunities that abound for reaching the Muslims, uh, the immigrants, and specifically the Muslims, and God's put the Afghans on our heart. And there's a large Afghan community in New York City as well. What part of North Carolina are you from? We're from uh, just west of Charlotte. There's a our sending church is Emmanuel Baptist Church in Kings Mountain, mm-hmm. which is just on the west side of Gastonia, which is just west of Charlotte. So, um, is is uh, your hometown just east of Char- east of Charlotte? Uh, just west, west of Charlotte. West of Charlotte. Yes. Like east, King- of, east would be in the ocean. Right. Well, <laughs> so, right. That it would be the ocean direction. <laughs> we're, we're more on the mountain side of uh-huh. the state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and it's just like Jamaica Queens, right? There. <laughs> well, is there some uh, culture shock, some adjustment that's going on? Indeed, there is. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's- folks that are listening, you know, we are in the state of New York, but we're upstate, and uh, you know, anywhere you travel in the United States, they think, "Oh, I could never live in the city." Wow, well, we're we don't live in the city, you know. I got uh, you know deer in the backyard, and you know it's country. Uh, for us upstate downstate in the city that's a completely different world so it tell is. us a little if, bit about the feel, shock it and what it's like. like a third world country sometimes uh, mm-hmm. partly there's there's people around us speaking languages we don't understand mm-hmm. there's uh, people that that uh, have a different cultural way of doing things sometimes um, and, and the, the shop hours are are open a little bit later which is kind of nice mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes there's more availability of different shops to go to um, I would say that that the uh, general tenor of a good number of uh, some of the people are, are still a bit more apprehensive about the uh, the coronavirus situation mm-hmm. and then most of the rest of the country is um, but but not everybody there uh, there's there's a, a good number of people that that aren't too concerned about it uh, so what so what do you live in an apartment we do we live in the fourth floor of an apartment and how high is the apartment it's six floors. Ours, ours isn't a super so, high so it's skyscraper. So like it's like a brownstone. No, well, no, ours, ours is a. It's it's called Pershing Crescent Apartments, mm-hmm. um, and a good number of the brownstones are maybe three or four stories. Okay, um, but but this is a, a six six floor apartment, and we have a lot of neighbors. Yeah, yeah. So is, you're still trying to get used to it. Uh, absolutely. I think yes. there would be almost as much culture shock, almost as much culture shock new, moving to New York City as there would be moving to a, a foreign country. In some ways, uh, we can still speak English most places where we go. And <laughs> sure. so And so in that sense, no. But in a lot of ways, uh, yes, there's there are a lot of, of cultural differences. So how, how did you get called uh, to the Muslim world? Yes, great question. It's it's neat how God calls different people in different ways, and and it all began for me August twenty first, nineteen eighty seven, when as a young person, my older sister uh, had wanted me to see me get saved, and as as a young person, I didn't know the Lord, and that, that I remember that afternoon, my sister telling me that I was a bad person and going to hell, and and I told mom to tell her to quit picking on me, but mom <laughs> said it's actually, it's true that we've all broken God's laws. That night, my dad explained to me the truth of Romans 5, 8. While we were all yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, fast forward then um, through that, I'm grateful for my family, for uh, for them giving me the gospel and, and rearing me in church. But uh, after Bible college, I went to Bible school at Ambassador Baptist College in Lattimore, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, didn't know where God wanted me to go, what he wanted me to do. I mean, I finished college, but but now what? And I've heard it said that God's more apt to steer a moving vehicle than a parked car. Right, amen. And, and I mean, there's also the other side to it, that uh, we should be still and know that I am God and, and wait on the Lord. Uh, but but I wanted to be active in in searching for His will, and so uh, I had a burden for the unreached around the world. And I took a year of linguistic studies at Baptist Bible Translators Institute in Bowie, Texas, and what an impact that had on my life. And we were required to do some research into different places around the world that we didn't know much about, and mm-hmm. so I was researching Central Asia. And it seemed like every time I was looking up people groups, so many different lists online seemed to have Afghanistan 
at the top of the list because okay. because it falls alphabetically as the the country at the top. And so I'm searching through people groups and I had to scroll through all these people that are in uh, people groups that are in Afghanistan. And uh, that I remember that catching my attention. But but I remember thinking, well, Afghanistan is is it's it's overrated in in the news. You know, people. People, this was back in 2009, you know, we'd been in the country for some time in American mm-hmm. presence, and and my interest was in, in a place that I didn't really know much about. And so I was looking at Tajikistan, just on the north side of there, and I was curious about if they, do they have Bibles translated in their in their language? Do they need that? And I kept talking to some other classmates outside of school, outside of, of, of class, and, and one of them said, it's not the devil putting these thoughts in your mind. Why don't you take a trip over there after this and, and uh, research it? So I took a trip, and... and uh, I was over there for 30 days in Tajikistan and, and sometime mm-hmm. in Kyrgyzstan. And while I was in, wow. in Tajikistan, this one, this was uh, the weekend after 4th of July of 2009. How did you, how did you make contacts over there? You, the um, translating place had some contacts over no, there? No, no. A friend of a friend knew of one missionary who said that, uh, that I emailed him and he said, yeah, if you want to come stay over here, he said, uh, well, just you let me know when you're coming and I'll put you in contact with a family. You could stay with them and a local family and you learn some things of the language. I mean, you just a, just a secular family that lives over here. I mean, they'd love to have an American in their home. Wow. I said, well, that sounds great. So was it hard to get the visa to get in there? Um, no, it was, it was really easy. Wow. So, so I, 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 I think of the stands visa. being pretty close. Well, right. And, and it's, it's give and take, you know, mm-hmm. I just said I wanted a tourist visa to come check out the country and, and they approved it. So anyway, so then once I had my visa, I had my plane tickets and all my things in a row. I contacted this missionary, and he, he said, um, uh, who are you again? What was it we talked about? You're coming over when? I, I can't put something together that fast. <laughs> so uh, another friend of a friend uh, said, said, uh, said, yeah, when you get here, then let me know uh, that you're here, and, and I'd love for you to come see us for a couple days. So I had a 30-day visa, uh, ended up missing one of my f- flight connections when I was in London, which caused me to end up losing out $500 uh, when I first went over there, which all of these things just helped me to trust God more. That was one of the things God taught me is the importance of trusting God to work out the details. And And I ended up staying in a hotel a couple of days and in a um, some other kind of a hostel situation and in a... Um, a, a tell state, the, tell state the folks what a hostel is. Tell them what a it's, hostel is. Well, it's it's a... Basically, it's a house um, that's rented or a a large series of of rooms that's rented out, basically an empty concrete block room with nothing in it, Uh, but it's cheap. And so (laughs) Uh so, um, it had a mattress in it. Yeah. And sometimes you can do chores to stay there or something like that. You can earn your keep. or Some of them are like that, yeah. right. But anyway, so stayed in a variety of different places, and God worked it all out. But but what really impacted me on that trip, this was several years ago, but this was kind of how the Lord really worked to get things uh, rolling in my heart and and, and stir a burden uh, for the you Muslim world. You were single world. at this time, too. I was. Too. I yeah. was, yes. Uh, and so, you know, sing, there's, this is something to say for single people who may be listening to this. Take advantage of your single years. You can Amen. pine away and worry about, you know, when when's that right one going to come along and how am I going um, to to make all these things happen. But God has given you your single years for for a purpose. Glorify God with them. And I would not have been able to accomplish everything or have felt as adventuresome or as yeah. If you had a family free, and right. kids at home and you're right. you're in a uh, one of the stand countries, yeah, staying exactly. in a hostel with other strangers, right? And, yeah. So so anyway, this one weekend. Um, I wanted to go down and check out the Wahan Valley just to see, you know, about the Wahan language. Is it really spoken by the people that much? Are they going to need a Bible translated into their language? What's the situation? 
And so I took a taxi way down into, um, left the, the capital city of that state this early Saturday morning. It was about 5.30 that evening before we finally were getting close to where it was going to stop in the village of Drij. And this, I realized there's no Motel 6 out here. <laughs> um, where am I going to spend the night? Because this taxi's not gotten to its destination. It's not turning around and going back. There's not other vehicles heading back this gravel road. And so then by that time, this young man, Julopano, he asked me if I'd stay in his house. And uh, I had my English Tajik dictionary. It took me a while to figure out what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next morning they fed me goat and tea and watermelon yeah. and bread. And, and we had uh, we had a great time while I was staying there. But the next morning uh, I opened my Bible just to, to share some or read some verses of encouragement from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, Julepano's mom asked me, so is this the, the Quran you're reading? I said, I said, no, nay, Quran, nay. I, I didn't know the word for Bible, uh, but I could say it was the Injil, it's the gospel. And so she looked confused. Julepano began explaining to her about the, the Western book. And and so she she was she said, so it's not the not the Quran then. And and that's where it really struck me. Sure, there are Muslims around the world who would say that we are infidels, polytheistic infidels who worship three gods, God the Father, mm-hmm. God the Son, and, and God the Holy Mother Mary, uh, as they think that we're Catholic. Uh-huh. And as they think we're Catholic, they would say we're responsible for the Crusades mm-hmm. and for starting all the fighting and the jihad in the first place. Uh, but uh, there are also Muslims just like this family in a Muslim, predominantly Muslim community, in a Muslim, predominantly Muslim country, they don't have a clue what this book is and what it says about Jesus Christ and how they can have eternal life through him. Mm-hmm. And God really used that. I came back, and uh, in my devotions in Hebrews chapter 13, the Lord really impressed upon me about the need to trust God and about the need for exalting Christ among among other people. And, and so through that, the Lord used that to burden my heart for Muslims. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amazing. That's an amazing adventure. You were, you were abroad for how long again? That trip was only uh, two months, about a month in Tajikistan and a month in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, yeah. Most people could not imagine only two months over in the stands. Yeah, that's in, that's incredible. And, and so, how, and so how did um, how did you end up determining that uh, God wanted you in New, New York, York City? City? Well, I came back from there, met my wife, and and uh, we got married and. And in 2013, and we were pursuing what does God want us to do in regards to reaching, reaching the Muslim people with the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we were pursuing contacts and friends that, that were serving overseas. And we kept finding one roadblock after another. Um, and and we, were, we were even told, oh, it's, it's too difficult and it's too dangerous and it's too complicated for an American family to head to Afghanistan. The Lord really put the Afghan people on our mm-hmm. heart by that time. And, and, uh, so we were encouraged to rec- we were recommended, um, to, to pursue what are the opportunities for reaching Muslims here in the United States and do some de- demographic research. Mm-hmm. Where are they? And the different, uh, different groups of them. And through that, the Lord really burdened our heart for New York city. We took some survey trips up to New York city and found uh, just a w- tremendous opportunities. There's so many people there and, uh, as Dearborn is well known for right. its Arabic population, uh, it has the largest Arabic population in the United States. Mm-hmm. The probably the most densely populated Muslim communities uh, yeah, are they, there. Yeah, they have the call to prayer they do. publicly, and yes. everything. yeah. Uh, but if you include more than just Arabic, uh, there's a, about twenty percent. A lot of people don't realize only about twenty percent of the Muslim world 
speak Arabic as their first language. Okay. And so in Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim population. And then second to that, you have Bangladesh. And then next to that is Pakistan. I'm sorry, um, Pakistan. And then where they speak Urdu. And then next to that is India. India, well, we thought they're, they're all Hindus, right? But uh, about maybe 14% is what I've heard of India is Muslim. Well, 14% mm-hmm. out of one point how many billion people? That's so a lot of people. It is. So that puts them at, at the third highest population of Muslims. And then you've got Bangladesh, and uh, where they speak Bangla, uh, Iran, they speak Farsi, Turkey, they speak Turkish. And so many people from all around the world that are coming to New, that are coming or have lived in New York City, and so, so many people there that we have an opportunity to, to reach with the gospel. I took a trip to Afghanistan then in 2018 after okay. we had already started making plans to head to New York City. We were burdened for New York City. And while I was there, uh, this good friend of mine, he, he's, he's been serving in the Middle East. And, and he said, uh, he, he was a preacher, he, he asked me, you've been in the country, Tim, he said, and you've been here for numerous days. You've seen the people. You've, you've met with underground church planters, and, and you can hear the, the call to prayer. Uh, you, you hear it first thing in the morning. With all of this, are you going to be content to head back to New York City and, and have some ministry among immigrants? And it was a valid question. Mm-hmm. I, I had to look at him straight in the eyeballs and, and, and answer it directly. And my answer was, well, well, absolutely, I'll, I'll be content, but, but more than content if that's what God has called us to, mm-hmm. if that's where, where God has burdened me. And the Lord really used that trip to uh, stir my heart for the need for reaching these people, but also to confirm in my heart that we're not going to New York City because it's too complicated, too difficult, too dangerous to be in a place like Afghanistan. If somebody's listening and God burdens your heart for Afghanistan, for Yemen, for, uh, for North Korea, pursue what God puts on your heart and see mm-hmm. where he directs you and, and don't let anybody tell you it, it cannot be done or it's too complicated. Right. But, but, uh, but God has burdened our heart for our own country. He Amen. really has. And so, Amen. so that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, and there's such a, so how many how many uh, Muslim people are there in New York City? About a half a million. Uh, how many Afghanis are in New York City? About twenty thousand. Okay, yeah, so the, the big uh, contingency here, and, and um, probably growing. What, what's your thoughts on Afghanistan right now in the current situation? You have any oh, thoughts on that? Oh, do do I ever? I've been asked that how many times since the middle of August, and mm-hmm. and, and for one thing, it's it's sad, it's grieving, uh, it's it's. It's frustrating, um, and it's something that demands our prayer because there are many Christians, many underground churches that mm-hmm. are being persecuted. And a, a recent news release I was listening to just yesterday is saying that although the Taliban has has proclaimed that they are coming, that they have come back as a new Taliban with greater freedoms and uh-huh. uh, and more uh, modernized. It seems like really the only difference between now and, and 20 years ago is, or 25 years ago, is uh, that they've come back with, with vengeance and with animosity towards uh, the people who removed them from power. So yeah, there's going to be retribution. There is. Anybody there is. who aided and helped so, the United States right. and was so friends it seems of, that of America it's worse than now trouble. than what it was. And it was bad. It was bad a while back. So uh, I've had many friends that have been serving over there that are not now, but there are still some that are there. And, and there wow. are many, there are some Afghans that could have escaped, but have chosen not to because they want to witness to their 
to their families and and to their people and and so uh, let's pray for the persecuted that are over yeah, there. Yeah, and this this is the age, because it's right, not right in front of our eyes, uh, and we don't see the persecution that goes on. There, there is many, many brothers and sisters in Christ uh, over in these uh, Islamic nations that are persecuted. And uh, we, have a, we have a brother in our church, too, that's uh, from, from India, and uh, India is heavily persecuting Christians right now as well. And so, yeah, much to pray for. And, and um, so, if, so if you're in New York City and uh, they have the Afghan population and then you have um, half a million people who are uh, Muslim, if you win these people to Christ, they, um, they can go back to their native countries yes. with yes. the gospel. yes. And have a greater capacity where you'd be limited in your capacity as an American in a foreign country, that you might be able to have a greater capacity in inside your own nation, inside your own country, ministering to these Muslim people. Absolutely, and and by making that statement, I don't want to uh, to minimize those who are going overseas sure. from from America. Certainly, Certainly. Uh, that God God is using people of, of all of all backgrounds, and and I don't want to say it's too difficult to go as an American, but um, nonetheless, when somebody already knows the language, they already know the culture, they already know their government, and this is something that we've thought about and, and, and even prayed that, uh, that as we have an opportunity to impact college students who are here for a limited time, may come right. to know Christ, and then uh, at a young age, while they're impressionable, looking for hope and opportunity and a better life, let's introduce them to hope in Christ and new life in Him. And then when they head back, uh, we can we can then continue uh, online with discipleship mm-hmm. and um, see new churches be born and, and maybe even take trips over uh, sometime down the road. It's kind of a dream of mine as we're just getting started in New York City, but looking ahead uh, as folks well, come to Christ, we could take trips back over. And, well, New and York City is a gateway to the world. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and if you reach New York City, you're going to reach the world because there's people from all over the world in New York City. Amen. Yeah. Uh, and do you speak other languages? I speak Spanish. Okay. <laughs> Not too many. How many Muslims? Uh, how many Muslims speak Spanish? Not many, huh? The, but but you're you're a linguist, right? Y- yes. In uh, is, are are your goals to learn uh, Arabic or anything like that? Our next goal is is the dar- the Dari language, okay. which is a dialect. It's the Afghan dialect of Farsi. Okay. And uh, before we launch into that consistently, I've toyed with that a little bit with the Pimsleur program. I don't know if you're familiar with Pimsleur. No, I highly recommend that uh, to anybody who has a burden for reaching their neighbors here in America with the gospel, Pimsleur.com. I, I, I personally think it's better than Rosetta Stone or some of the other okay. programs that are out there for learning another language. Anyway, so I have the course, and I've started a little bit, but my wife and I are going to jump into that full-time and maybe even uh, use another uh, platform as well for learning Dari. Okay. Uh, but this is... One of the two official languages of the Afghan people, Dari and Pashtu, and it's a dialect of of Persians of Farsi. Huh, interesting. Um, so let's talk about um, there. And here, here's here's one of the things of my thoughts uh, on this podcast too is we have all these Afghani refugees and people always get nervous. I understand too is that uh, we know that there is a uh, political agenda bringing all these foreigners sure. uh, to this nation to overwhelm the system and you know open borders and things. Uh, but our first duty and job as believers is the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Amen. and so uh, we ought to look at these immigrants as. 
ministry opportunities that God is bringing these diverse cultures to our land uh, in his sovereignty. He knows what's going on. Even if we don't like the agenda of the current administration or whatever, uh, we got to look to try to win these people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, uh, you know, if we do, like, you know, your dream is, is to send them back uh, to their country, and then you'll have access into that country. You can go visit your converts over in their land and help aid them online and everything else. Uh, but um, tell the folks listening, perhaps they've got a Muslim coworker or our neighbors, or there is a Muslim uh, community in inside their own neighborhood. Um, what are some ideas for witnessing to Muslims, and what are some of the things that you come across? What's some of their... Uh, you know, I know one of the things is uh, Jesus Christ never claimed to be God. You show me in the Gospels where Jesus Christ claimed to be God. Yes. You know, I've heard this type of stuff. Uh, so let's talk about uh, the differences between, you know, witnessing to a Muslim and uh, and just your Joe Sixpack. Right. It's a little different. Absolutely. Well, there's oh, the first thing that I like to say, because we get asked that question at almost every church we go to. I bet to, you do. And, and one of the first things we have to to address is that you cannot put every Muslim into the same mold. Uh, it sure. went almost all of, uh, I'm sorry, when, when the Muslim population around the world is about a fourth, between a fourth and a fifth of the world's population, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and there's going to be a lot of diversity within that group. Right. So uh, having said that, are, are we talking about a Muslim who is one of these Afghan refugees who just came over and doesn't know English very well, or, or are we talking about um, a, an American uh, convert to Islam who's right. rejected Christianity? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I've, I don't know if you're familiar with the statistics that that uh, there have been a large number of Muslims who have converted of uh, Muslim men who have converted to Islam in our prisons. Right uh, there, we found uh, somebody told us recently that there has even been a larger number of converts to Islam in among the women in our American universities, even more so wow. than the men in our prisons. And that's something that, that we don't realize, but no. the, the secular leftist progressive universities of our country are promoting this tolerance, this inclusivity, this, uh, this affirmation of the Muslim culture, and it's almost glamorized. And some of these young guys come over, these young guys who are, who are smooth talkers and and just and would love to get an American woman and mm-hmm. and, and and to have a, a a beautiful wife to you know they they come over just as a as a man and and they they, they want they want a, a opportunities uh, having an American wife as well as uh, young people in college that's what they do they find a spouse yeah, right? right and so so uh, the I was starting to mention the diversity yes. Among Muslims, are we talking about uh, African American Muslims from the Nation of Islam? Uh, that's a, a different. Yeah, that's a different. That's a political entity. It, yeah, it, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, having said that, uh, our approach may be slightly different as far as when we're talking about the Afghan refugees or other immigrants who have just recently arrived. Uh, we can we can be very uh, understanding of their culture, their background. Maybe offer to help teach English. Um, just help them as a friend, and and try to build some relationship, some rapport, in a way that if if we were 
talking to a second generation Muslim here in America or someone who's been here for 15 or 20 years and you come across with the same approach, it may seem rather condescending. Sure. Uh, why are you stereotyping me and my language and my background mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where I'm from? Uh, I, I'm, uh, they don't see themselves as, as from Iraq or, or Afghanistan. They see themselves as from Chicago or from, right. or from Queens or, you know, or from wherever. So, um, so, but then as we're talking about sharing the gospel with these people, then the next thing that we want to bear in mind, sure, there may be some differences. The second thing we want to bear in mind is when we think about witnessing to Muslims, we often think, okay, so do I, do I start with a bridge from what they believe and, and then maybe find Jesus Christ in the Quran? Or, well, we, we wouldn't want to do that. Um, but we we start with some things that we know they believe. Ask about what they believe, and and then say, well, and but I believe this, and but then where's our focus? It's on Islam. Yeah. Uh, then there's the opposite extreme that says, well, we need to to highlight what they believe and and show how that the Quran is a false book. It's full of packed full of lies. We need to show how that Muhammad was a pedophile and and <laughs> right. uh, and a wicked. It's kind of like trying to win a Catholic by saying the you know the. The Pope's a vicar of hell, and right, you know what's what's the, what's the name of your pedophile? I mean, priest, you know that type and of stuff. Exactly, condescending. Yeah, and, and then where's our focus? Again, mm-hmm. our focus is is we don't want our focus to be on Islam as as if we're really curious and interested in it, and we don't want to focus on Islam as as if we're just trying to attack it. The focus needs to be where on Jesus Christ. Amen. And we had a lot of these so questions. Point, point at, number one. Yes. Talk uh, about Jesus. Talk about Jesus Christ. We we had numerous people ask us some of these questions at the beginning of deputation. Excuse me, at the beginning of deputation, uh, making plans to move to New York City, and so we we put together a little booklet that we call "How to Talk to Muslims About Christ." If you don't have one, uh, be glad to to you can pick them up here at Missions Conference here at the church, or I'll send you one. Um, just just email or or text me and ask me for one, and we'll be glad to send you one. Um, but one of the first things we put in a, there... You've got a website? We do. StalkUpFamily.com. Okay. Um, you, so they can go there? They can go there. They might not. Uh, StalkUpFamily.com slash your town. Uh, we'll bring this up, okay. the digital version of this. Your hyphen town. StalkUpFamily.com slash your hyphen town. And it'll bring that up. Um, but... Um, so one of the first things that we put in there is is exalt Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and and uh, let's remember to be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason and and then let's uh, have compassion on others around mm-hmm. us. But Amen. why did we include that in a booklet on how to talk to Muslims about Christ? Because that has to be foundational. Uh, we also put in there a couple other foundational things uh, just to remind us. Uh, one is smile. Uh, right. Uh, 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 yes. Yeah, so sometimes uh, people like the fight or flight response kicks in. Right. And they just get hostile in witnessing, and that's really bad. For instance, I was at a school board meeting, and uh, the stuff people were saying to the school board was was really good, but I could tell that they're not used to you know public speaking, and so that yeah, that fight or flight kicked in, and it was like they were yelling at the school board. And, and what I, does know, that accomplish? And now we're supposed to speak, and I thought I'm just gonna smile the whole time that I'm talking to them, and because they don't, they didn't work in not getting any smiles. I mean, it was just hostile. So yeah, keep a smile on your face and be happy. A smile in Jesus. has such a such a way of 
deflating somebody else's hostility. Yeah. It yeah. also has a way of building your own personal confidence and your own message of what you're sharing. Right. So uh, I, I can be guilty of that, of not smiling. And we're not usually nervous when we're smiling. And, right. And so well, it sends a signal to your brain. I think if somehow. you remember to smile yes. and, you know, nod right. your head and uh, yeah, say nice things. And yeah. I've, I've been told, uh, in fact, from a brother Tom Wallace of, of Missions of Muslims Network, he's, he told me that um, he, Tom, this is Tom Wallace, the, the great preacher, huh? The, there's a couple Tom Wallaces okay. out there. This there's is, a Tom Wallace that pastor for, I mean, he's in his late 80s now. He's still preaching out. It's not him. Affiliated with Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yeah, he, and, he had the big. And Sword of the big, Lord. And, yeah. Right, right. It's not he, him? He's, he's a great guy. But uh, it's not him. It, no, I'm different talking about Tom different Tom Wallace. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, and, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And, and he's with the Missions to Muslims Network, and and he, he taught a seminary cl- a course module on on this topic of witnessing the Muslims. And one of the more impactful things that he said was, uh, there's an important word that you may want to remember when you're when you're beginning a conversation with with Muslim people, and that's if if you want to pull out a pen and paper and write this down, it's spelled H I. And that's Hi. it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and sometimes we can overthink uh, what it is to talk to other people uh, that are, look different. Sometimes maybe she has on a hijab or even a full burqa and all you see are the slits of her eyes or not even that because she uh-huh. has a veil. Uh, and, or sometimes he has on that, that hat or a turban or, and a full beard and the, the robe all the way down. And, and you think, what, what can I say to him? Well, how about, hi, how's it yeah. going? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and honor them, treat them like a real person. Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but beyond that, then people do want specifics and, and I don't want to sound like I'm just mm-hmm. skirting the, the question here. Um, but really those things are foundational and I hate to not mention those things because we don't want to just jump over that. But, uh, then, uh, in talking to Muslim people, we want to remember that we often see facts as, as, the primary means of communication and that I need to use the, the one, two, three, here's the Romans road. Here's, here's the four spiritual laws, but they, the Eastern mind often perceives our facts as our opinions. And where we look at stories as anecdotal evidence, Mm -hmm. they see stories as elements that grip the heart, elements that stir the emotion, elements that, that convince the soul and, the Bible's a book of stories. It is. In fact, it's and, one and giant they, story. And Hebrew is closely related, from what I understand. I have no linguistic skills at all, uh, but it's closely related to Aramaic and these different... And Arabic. And, and uh, Arabic. And it's a very pictorial... It's like one of the most pictorial uh, languages there is. So when you're telling stories, you're telling the story of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I'm not suggesting stories in place of Scripture. Right. But, but did we tell the story of Jesus Christ and what he did if fully God became fully man and born of a virgin and lived a perfect sinless life? Absolutely. And the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Christ, the gospel story. And then what did what did Christ do for you personally? Amen. Amen. And that's your, your and, you shall be witnesses. Right. As we can share the story of our own testimony, mm-hmm. we can share the story of, of stories of lamb of the abrahamic offering of his son and the substitute uh other stories of moses and the passover they believe in abraham in that story they believe in in moses and and then the story of john the baptist who pointed to one coming who was the lamb behold the lamb of god which taketh away our sin and 
So one prayer request that I, I might put out right now mm-hmm. while I'm thinking about it is we have been in the process of writing a gospel track that addresses this. Uh, we've we've this has been a burden on my heart is something to hand to the Muslim people that they will gravitate towards that they will they they will appreciate. Eid al-Adha is one of their biggest feast days. Some have said it may even be a bigger, more celebrated day than than uh, the end of Ramadan. And what an opportunity at this feast when they are, it's a feast commemorating the sacrifice at the time of Abraham and his son. Mm-hmm. Now, they get mixed up which son it is. But, sure. But, but still, the opportunity where they recognize that he had a sacrifice, there was a substitute so that Isaac, or that they think it's Ishmael, but so that Isaac could live. Mm-hmm. And as we show from the scriptures the need for a sacrifice, the need for a substitute, and the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. So uh, this, is, it, this gospel tract is with the, an illustrator right now, and so wow. pray that, that she'll have wisdom in drawing the graphics for it. Yeah. And, and then our graphic design can put yeah. it together. We, we don't want something that just that gives us credence that we made a great, great gospel track. We want something that's going to bear fruit among mm-hmm. Muslims in New York City and, and elsewhere as well. Yeah. So how pictorial is it going to be? Well, at, at, I want on the front, I want a, a lamb. On the, then I want a picture of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. with their heads bowed in shame, covered mm-hmm. in in a modest robe that mm-hmm. their creator gave them out of sheepskin with with a lamb smoking on a on a altar or a couple lambs i want a picture on there too of of uh, isaac and abraham and this uh, ram that was offered in their place i want a picture of then of the passover lamb that has the blood put on the the doorposts door and, mm-hmm. and yes and then and then a picture of of the cross covered in blood and an empty tomb and then of of a, a man there bowed uh, humbly, ready to receive the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's that's the pictorial element. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and that goes a long way. It's probably in that community. And I, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, chick tracks were like one, one of the most popular tracks in sure. America. People read those because the 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 pictures in it. That that is awesome. And it's not going to just have pictures. I mean, it has scripture right. verses through it. But right. that's the pictorial yes. element. Yeah. And then as far as what they want, will often want to argue with us about, I mentioned this in, I believe it's pages uh, 15 and 16, I believe it is, of this book, How to Talk to Muslims About Christ. Some of their most common objections are uh, that the Bible was corrupted, mm-hmm. that which when they say that, and they just naturally assume that, well, we Westerners often think, well, we need to listen to somebody else's point of view. If you're going to be good at communication and debate in America, in a Western mindset, okay. you need to listen to the other side. You need to be respectful of, of them and then understand what they're saying, but then give the rebuttal and the answer as to why that's not true. But with the uh, when the Easterner hears that approach, they often think that we're wishy-washy, that we're indecisive, that we can't make up our mind when we're acknowledging what they have said. Uh, and so we don't need to be antagonistic or shouting in their face, but we don't need to focus as much on their side of the story. We just need to be ready to proclaim boldly what the truth is. So if I was a Muslim and I said to you, uh, well, the Bible's been corrupted. It's not, uh, that's not originally what it said. It's been changed. What would you respond to me? Abdul, how can you blaspheme God to say that God would allow his own word to be corrupted? Uh-huh. I, I, I find that offensive that to, for you to say that, that God would, was, are you saying he was too ignorant? Are you saying that, that he was, un, uh, was weak and not powerful enough to preserve his word? 
Wow. I, I, that, yeah. that bothers me. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good, good to get in the Eastern mind there. And, and, and then from, the, from there, I mean, he would have his, his responses, and it could vary, but it's also good to know some of the history uh, perhaps, and of the of the texts that we yeah. that God has preserved down through the centuries, and yeah, 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 I, yeah. I've never thought of that before. I was uh, working on a gym. This fella by the name of Muhammad, man, he was he's a stud too. He's about sixty years old, and he man, he still had it going on. He he's a <laughs> runner and a lifter, and just a big, big guy. But yeah, he was always you know he he, he knew I was uh, um working in the ministry and everything. And he was always talking to me about his religion. I appreciated that. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things is that the Bible was corrupted. And I said, well, who corrupted it? He said, well, the, well, the disciples, the apostles, I said, so they, they changed the Bible and then they went out and they all died for a lie. I don't think they would die for a lie, you know? Uh, that's a great he, argument. It really is. It's a, yeah. that's a wonderful thing to bring up to them. It, yeah. 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 If they say it's corrupted, then we can come back and question them. You say this, but but what evidence do you have? Who? Yeah. When was it corrupted? And if they want to say the apostles did, then why was it 600 years later that Muhammad threw out the Quran? And, and I don't believe in going to the Quran to, to point people to Christ. Yeah. But one thing we can see in the Quran is that you cannot say you believe the Quran and, and that you believe the Bible is corrupted because the, the Quran, and, and it, we can list out all the places, the surahs, where the Quran affirms the Bible and it says it has been guarded from corruption. Okay. Yeah. 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 See, that's important to point out. So, like with the Afghan population, um, you know, as they say, honey catches flies better than vinegar. Yes, and um, and so you're just gonna try you're you're gonna try uh, not only to reach out to them just with um, just outreach ministries, tracks, gospel, but also you're gonna try to reach them um, socially too. Yes, yes, Tr- trying to help them out in different different ways. Absolutely. Um, if, if I could just sum this up, I, I don't want this podcast to go here too long, but, but I'd like to just sum up some of the opportunities that we have because there are people listening here who may find Afghan refugees as neighbors in the days ahead. This, sure. is, this is not just something that pertains to New York City. In fact, because of the COVID lockdowns, restrictions, and, and, and fear and concerns in the city, there are numerous of the resettlement agencies that are not as open as they seem to be in some of the other cities around the country. And the way this works, there are, there are approximately, or there are, I'm sorry, there are nine subcontractors of the federal government that are volunteer agencies that are used to resettle the Afghan people across the United States. And of these nine, uh, there are, I believe it's it's um, I've got it written down here. Um, Two hundred and fifty-eight re- refugee resettlement agencies scattered across one hundred and sixty U.S. towns and cities, and so all across this country, these fifty thousand to a hundred thousand—we don't even know the exact figure of how many are coming into our country. That most of them are stationed at ref- at uh, refugee camps across the country that are seven military bases, three in Virginia, one in New Jersey, one in Indiana, one in Texas, one in Wisconsin, one in New Mexico. And then from there, these refugees are going out to these various refugee resettlement agencies that are resettling them in apartments or communities in near their towns where, where these where these refugee resettlement agency offices are. And if and these refugee agencies, these offices, are looking for volunteers who can help with 
teaching English, who can help with uh, helping these people find job acquisition, finding a job, uh, and and com- uh, community orientation, just getting used to riding the public transit in that town, in that city if there is, uh, or just how to go about the everyday way of life. They may have come from a different cultural setting mm-hmm. and just how to navigate life in America. And so uh, the, they're looking for volunteers. And yeah. so what an opportunity we have. Uh, I've created a, a website group called immigrants are called independent Baptist witnessing to immigrants that if you search for that on Facebook, I would like to see folks from every state in the country. I'd like to see people from, from every one of these cities where there's a refugee Mm -hmm. resettlement office. I'd like to see independent Baptist. I'd like to see a a thousand of us on this group so that we can share ideas. We can share what's working for us. Mm -hmm. Where are they in, are they in, in my community, in my city or in my state and then how can independent Baptist churches get involved in in helping with teaching English? And right now my wife and I are, are gaining certification through Bridge. You can go to, I think it's bridge.edu, and we're, we're taking the 120-hour master certif- uh, certification course. And then uh, from that, that will give us more opportunities to mm-hmm. be accepted as a volunteer. English teachers. Yes, to teach English. And, and then... Uh, if you if somebody has law skills, they're looking for pro bono lawyers who okay. can who can help with uh, with their different court cases and so forth in in immigration. Um, but then beyond that, then there are other avenues such as the local libraries or community college often has a, an extensive program for welcoming people into the community. Now, if I could just say there are many cities who are welcoming cities or sanctuary cities, and I'm not advocating encouraging people to come here illegally right. against the government. But the fact is they are, and they, they are here. those people who do come, they have eternal souls, and they're the mission field right. coming and, to you. And if we do not step, if we just bellyache about how right. this may change our politics or how this may change our country from being not as Christian, and we just complain about it, is Sharia law coming to America? And we, If we just sit around and complain about it, mm-hmm. then... A, a year from now, these people will have already been welcomed by the progressive yeah, leftist yeah, yeah. liberals, and, and and then also by the Muslim communities. Almost every one of these cities has a mosque ready to welcome re- these re- people. Reach out to them. They do. Uh, so let's say if if you were displaced and you had to flee from America to some strange place, uh, the first person that reached out to you and like showed you love and cared about you, you would be probably attached to that person for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You're a stranger in a strange land. So you have an opportunity as a Christian. And, I, and Christian charity is something really that um, has gone by the wayside in our because we have such a wealthy nation that the church almost doesn't even have to think about the poor because the government takes care of them. Uh, but historically, Christians have looked at other people as... Um, Souls in a body. Right, right. And so, you know, and I can minister to them physically, and by ministering to them physically, I also can reach their soul. And they come uh, so, here so from an honor-shame cultural background where they are used to hospitality. Like I mentioned, Julopano yeah. invited me into his home. He didn't know me from anybody. Yeah. Uh, we were walking, uh, and, me and some friends walking down through through Afghanistan in Mazari Sharif, and several guys sitting at a, a tire repair shop, they waved us to come in yeah. to sit and drink some tea with them. Yeah. Have you read uh, you read the book Lone Survivor? I have not. I'll have you to read that. You need to read that. Yes. Um, 
I'm not going to recommend the movie over this podcast, but uh, yeah, read the book. The book is phenomenal. Uh, but one of the things um, after, um, man, I can't think of the Navy SEALs, but after he he's like the lone survivor, he makes it off the mountain, uh, you know, underneath all this attack as he's taken into the village and he's taken underneath the home and the whole village uh, protects him from, from, um, whoever, all, all the, uh, man, it wasn't the Taliban, uh, whoever it was, uh, Al Qaeda. There you go. Okay. Uh, so Al Qaeda was surrounded the village. The village is going to protect them with, uh, their life because they took them in. Right. It's kind of like, uh, you read about lot and his daughters. That was like the Eastern culture. If I take you in underneath my roof, uh, is I'm going to be loyal unto you unto death, even the death of my own family, my own village. Uh, and that's that strong um, tribal bond. And so you have an opportunity with these people coming from these countries that have that culture that, you know, a Christian Absolutely. makes a bond with them. You have inroads uh, f- for them probably for their whole life. It, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and so if, if a Christian can't teach English, so I, I, you know, I barely know English myself, uh, what are some of these these agencies? What are some other things you're able to do for these families or whatever? Is there anything else? If if you would join my uh, my group, my Facebook uh, okay, group, okay, and and then and then contact the uh, I have a list also a PDF that I can send you that has a link to every one of the websites for every one of the volunteer agencies in every one of these cities all across America. I listed them all out. Mm-hmm. You can click on the link and then you can contact them and say. What can I do to show love and compassion to these new refugees that are coming here from Afghanistan? And, and my heart is burdened for them. Mm-hmm. They love hearing that. They, mm-hmm. They're excited to hear volunteer, people that, that are compassionate yeah, yeah. and that want to get involved. And every agency is different. Some have said, uh, well, we're, we're already filled up with all, this, all the volunteers we need. We're, we're, we're good to go. We don't wow. need anything else. Others, others say, oh, there's more things you can do, you know. And, yeah. and, and so – it varies so much from city to city, from agency to agency, from office to office. And so uh, so the more communication we can have right now, I'm still at the investigation stage of trying mm-hmm. to figure out what are the various things that can be done, um, where these people are being relocated. Uh, and so I think we need to come together as a body and say, here's what I'm researching. Here's what I'm finding out about my community. It's, and yeah. And so if you're a church out there and, and you could provide space for English class or, you know, has some sort of a, you know, a food pantry type thing or something and right. reach into these communities. Even, even if somebody just says, Hey, I found out they're, they're moving in here. You know, I'm, I'm not able to teach English and I, I'm not a lawyer to help with some of those specific volunteer requests that they're asking for as an official volunteer. But, but I found out that they are moving into this part of our, our town. And so when you find some of them, then Take them a gift basket, a welcome basket right. with some fruits and nuts right. and, and, and packaged foods. And um, just as long as it's not pork, I mean, that really about anything else is good. Yeah. And, 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 say, and say, hey, we're just welcome to the community. We love having new, new people in our community. Yeah. And we just want to show the love of Jesus Christ to you. And we're glad that, that, uh, that we could be your friend. Yeah. And, and see where it goes from there. Uh, that's, that would be an excellent start. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's... Uh, um 
Yeah, yeah, it would be a, a powerful thing. And that, like you said, yeah, we could just moan and complain and how they're trying to change our country. And they are. I'm not gonna. Argue, we're not gonna argue that. Uh, but wouldn't it be great if you know revival broke out around among these immigrants and people got saved and they went back to their own their old country with um, the gospel of Jesus Christ? And yeah, it'd be an amazing thing. Amen. Hey, so what? So what's the what's the vision, man? What's the dream? Five year, ten year. What 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 would you like? St- to see in New York City. Absolutely. Uh, if, if I could just sum that up um, by, by saying several things. I dream of immigrants in New York City, of course, finding Jesus Christ uh, through his word, being baptized in the local church, that, and, and our, our church growing. Uh, I dream of seeing Mexicans and Chinese and Arabs and Indians and Bangladeshis and Afghans and Pakistanis and Iranians sitting together in, in, in our church in New York City in the same service as one body, hearing the, the preaching of the Scripture, either with a translator there beside them or an earphone in their ear, uh, or, or as they're learning English just amongst each other, um, not as I don't necessarily dream of, of sub-ministries of an English-speaking church, but I dream of a multicultural church without division. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look forward to... To the day that that folks are getting saved, and there are more churches planted throughout New York City, and then and then beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, but but churches started in New York City, especially in numerous neighborhoods uh, in largely Muslim concentrated neighborhoods of New York City. Uh, we we look forward to college students coming to know Christ, and as they return, the opportunities of them carrying the gospel back with them, mm-hmm. and. And so uh, this is this is what it's all about. This is what missions is about. Amen. And and our our dreams and vision really isn't a whole lot different than than the dreams of, of a lot of other pastors and in, in other cities across America and, and other churches and other church planters and 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 so um, we we appreciate your prayers. Yeah, it'd be like the school of Tyranius there, the Apostle Paul there, the whole the whole region heard because of that school right there in New York City. You got people from all over the world coming in there. What church are you working out of? Heritage Baptist Church. Who's the pastor there? Pastor Matt Recker. Okay. Is there any other pastors there in the city that you um, that you know of or come to know? Yes. In fact, just this past Sunday, I was speaking at uh, Shalom Baptist Church in Queens, and and they're a blessing. Uh, Pastor Dave Wilt is doing a great work down in Staten Island. Okay, um, I know. Yeah, I know him. Okay, Bethel Baptist Fellowship in Bickle, uh, or Pastor Bickle at Bethel Baptist Fellowship in in Brooklyn. Okay, uh, there's there's uh, a, fe- a fellow named Dana Dice. He yes. used to be a teacher of mine. Oh yes, he is yeah, a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I, I got love, my name to him, brother in fact, Dice. In fact, they are very close to where we actually live, and and so uh, there's a lot of, a lot of good guys, a lot of great guys there. Yeah, amen. It's funny, my phone's on silent, and I don't know how many calls that uh, I've gotten. But, uh, yeah, apologize for that being in the background. Um, how about Pete Montero? You got a chance to meet oh, yes. Brother Pete? Yes, yeah? he's a blessing. He's up in Astoria, Queens. Yes. Right. I, I, I hate listing out people in, in the city, lest I leave somebody Yeah, you're going to forget somebody. Right. And then uh, I, yeah. How can they match me? But, right, uh, there's Alan Davis up in, in uh, the Bronx. There's... Uh, Brother Ben Hamilton with Emmaus Road Baptist Church. We're going to be there in a couple yeah. weeks, and um, it, it sounds like a lot of guys, but it's not. It's like a drop in the it, bucket. I've I've heard that if there was, uh, which I mean, you can do the math. If if there was a, a church that had a thousand people, that'd be a big sized church. If there were a hundred of those in New York City, 
in or say in the New York City metro area where there's a 10 million people, a hundred churches of a thousand people, that's 1% of, of <laughs> yeah. the entire population of yeah. 10 million people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could list off 20 guys and think, wow, there's a lot of, tr-. no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, it, yeah, there's um, there's a guy that started the church out of Pete Montoro's church and we, uh, we had supported him. Uh, he's a school teacher and I'm failing to think of his name. I have his prayer card. I pray for him quite often. Remigio, Franz Remigio. You, you met him yet? I have not met him yet. Um, so I, his I neighborhood, to. I think it's in the Bronx. Okay. It was like in a square mile. There was thir- there's 30,000 people. Wow. I think yeah. it's in a square mile. Isn't that something? something? It's something crazy. I mean, 30,000 people that could walk right. to that uh, that church. But sure. uh, yeah, it is a very needy area. And, um, and so I'm glad you're going there. Thanks for being on. And uh, look forward to tonight, you presenting your work to our church. And so uh, tell the folks again where they can find you at. You can find me at stalkupfamily.com. You can find us also at the on Facebook, Independent Baptists Witnessing to, Independent Baptists Witnessing to Immigrants. Perfect. All right. Hey, thank you, Brother Stalkup. Absolutely. It's Thanks. been a joy to be with you. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.